0: This is The Truth of the Matter Is, episode number 24. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with Jonathan. Let's first start off by recognizing and appreciating all of our consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. We also want to give a warm welcome to all of our new listeners. Whether you only listen to just one episode or many more after that, we thank you for giving us a chance and we appreciate your time. With that being said, Jonathan, how was your week so far?
1: You know my week has been you know productive. I was able to eradicate the problem that I was having with my car, and I must say, you know it was a huge size of side of relief, you know you know now that I eventually had to figure out what I wanted to do, I ended up going to a electrician and going to an electrician, and it's much different than going to a mechanic. So when I went to the electrician, I ended up having to pay for a diagnostic. A diagnostic is something in which the electrician does several tests to find out what the issue is. Same thing with a mechanic, but I find the electrician is a little bit more accurate mainly because it has a lot more to do with wiring and issues that are going on in a car that from my previous mechanic told me that that's what I had to do. In the end, I paid for the the diagnostic and the price was generous and reasonable, which means that the electrician had character in class. You know, he could have overcharged me, but he didn't. And I appreciate that he was fair and he was kind. He found the problem and he corrected it and he almost, you know, had this promise. And He's like likely the likelihood of us seeing each other again probably won't happen. So, you know, I appreciated his confidence, which means obviously he knew his stuff. So I was really content with the service and I'm glad that the solution didn't end up with me buying a new part. Because at first I was anticipating, right, based on the expertise of the mechanic that I had. You know, I thought I was going to end up having to spend extra money for a replacement of a brand new dealer part. Now, sometimes parts are defective, you know, they don't work. And I've had numerous times where you buy a part, you put it in there, and probably within a week's time, it's not working. So you take it back, you have a warranty, and... You have that opportunity to exchange
2: it, or you probably go somewhere else and you get it and you get your money back. So that wasn't the case here. I'm glad that wasn't the case. And that wasn't the issue. As a matter of fact,
1: someone didn't put something back properly. Now, Mm. I could have gone on for days complaining about the unprofessionalism, the carelessness, the sloppiness of the mechanic. But instead, I'll drop it. I'll drop it. Because guess what? I'm back on the road and I'm riding with confidence and thankfulness. God came through for me and I knew it because I kept my faith in him and I know that it was a concern. It wasn't going to be a worry at that point in time. So I allowed God to do the work and ended up being a good thing for me. So, yeah, he addressed my concern and now he deserves all the honor, the glory. And a praise.
2: Amen. It sounds like we can finally close the book on hoop details for
0: the foreseeable future, it sounds like.
1: Well, with cars, there's always something new that comes up. You know, sometimes it's the things that you least expect. But you have to know that, you know, there's wear and tears on all cars, even new ones. The issues is, is that you want the main portions of the car to remain intact. So like your engine, your transmission, and you have to do labor on things like the brakes, the rotors, your axles, the ball joints, the upper and lower, those parts, those parts in the car. Have wear and tear, and especially because we drive in New York City. It's a pothole in almost every street, and apparently we're supposed to be paying our taxes, and they're supposed to be repairing those things. But, you know, with weather coming in and the salt from the snow, you know, that's expected. So keep that in mind the next time you're considering getting in a car. That Copy. things happen that all the be- time. You can't anticipate it all. You have to expect the unexpected with a car. The battery dies. It loses its juice. The windshield swipers or wipers, depending on who you talk to, eventually uh, become defective because of the heat of uh, the sun. So there's so many things going on. Antifreeze, oil changes. That's something you had to do
2: lot of, every a lot three. A things. Yeah. It's just it's, it's ridiculous. Okay, so um, what is today's topic? Well, I think that we have to pray before we begin, because, you know, we're going to need it
1: for today's topic, and the topic is going to be in regards to
2: judging and forgiveness. That's what the topic is for today. Judgment and forgiveness. Funny when you mentioned that, um, judges just seem to be a
0: major theme as of lately. I always like to talk about, um, themes that's kind of going on in my life where I'm noticing like last week's theme was kind of like paying attention to the context of situations where well, I wouldn't even just say for last week, it was like kind of last month in general, like just paying attention to context. And not looking at situations with a black or white sort of attitude. Because context, while most things are, I like to believe it's black and white, um, context in general determines why those things can be black and white, so to speak. It's just a simple version of all the, what I like to call the gray area that's going on. And then this week, it was like, judging was a huge thing so to speak, where it's like a lot of the times expectations and um, prejudgments were preventing progress and direct communication. So I'm actually really excited for today's topic and hopefully it can, you know, give me some answers to my own things that got going on.
1: All right. Yeah, sure. So, you know, let's pray before we begin because we definitely need it for today's topic.
2: And yeah, for sure. So let's get into some prayer. Let's bow our heads.
0: Oh God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your grace and mercy, which you have given us. Even though sometimes it feels like we don't deserve it. We know that your interest in us allows us to receive. The grace and mercy that you give to us throughout the week and throughout our daily lives, the truth of the matter is a podcast family's prayer for each and every one who listens and who does not. Lord. We ask that we learn to acknowledge your power, your love, and your perfect will. Open up our perspective to think and move like you. For if you had said, "Be holy because you are holy, we pray that in reading your word we can become more like you, Jesus, and represent you in a positive matter and therefore carry ourselves in a positive matter. We say these things humbly and honestly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. So we're going to tackle a few things. And as I mentioned earlier, the topic is going to be judging and forgiveness. And we're going to continue our journey through the book of luke obviously due to the last you know periods and times of weeks that we've had it's a lot of of what we've been discussing has been coming out of the book of luke so as you can see there's a lot of great things in the book of luke right and so it will be in all the other gospels okay so before we get started One of the things that I'm going to be doing today today is defining some words. I think words are important to define because if I go on saying things and not defining them, there will be a misunderstanding of some of the things that I said. And I want to make sure that there's clarity and understanding to the things that I say. So here's a warning, right? This might be one of the hardest discussions to have, but it's needed. So I'm going to need everyone to listen carefully. So first on the list of definitions is salvation, okay? Salvation is the saving of humanity from sin and its consequences. Now, if you don't remember what salvation is, I'm sure you can remember what deliverance is or redemption, because it also has a lot to do with being rescued from sin, okay? Okay. Next on the list is grace. Now, grace is the unmerited love and favor of God towards men and women. Now, for those who don't know what unmerited means, it's something that you can't really adequately earn and it's something you really don't deserve. And I'll explain that in just a second. Now, a simple way to remember the importance of grace and for it to be something that can be much more defined in an easier way is an acronym. So I think you can say God's riches at Christ's expense. That's how you remember what grace is. God's riches at Christ's expense. Keep this in mind because of Adam's transgressions. Humanity is in a fallen state. All of us are born into a condition of sin. Yes, sin is a condition. Now let me define condition for those who may not know. Condition is the circumstances affecting the way in which people live or work, especially with regards to their safety or well-being. So because of sin, we are dealing with a condition that needs to be addressed. And that is why Jesus came in the first place. He came to solve the condition of sin. That we all have at birth. Remember Jesus said that he is the way. The truth and the life. He became the sacrificial lamb. He came to set us free from sin. In the book of the gospel of John. Chapter 8 verse 34 through 36. It says very truly I tell you. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's a powerful statement because Jesus is really talking about himself here. And what he did for us was extremely important. Now, the reason why defining grace is so important is because you need to know how amazing it is to have grace from God through Jesus Christ. When we look at the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 20, it does an amazing job at explaining the importance of grace. It says what, Daniel?
0: The law was brought in so that the trespass may increase. But when sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through jesus christ our lord
1: so another thing let's define worldly righteousness and define righteousness that is divine right so we're going to define worldly righteousness and divine righteousness because there's a huge difference between the two righteousness from a worldly view is the quality of being morally right or justifiable Define righteousness, is acting in accordance with divine or moral law that leaves you free from sin and conviction, not guilty. So as an aside note, as a believer, when I feel like I have done something wrong, I feel convicted, not guilty, convicted. Being convicted means you were discovered operating in error, which is correctable. It's not permanent. As a matter of fact, let's go there, right? There are, se- there are several different sources of conviction that God can use to expose our sins. Sins that happen all the time. Okay? There are certain sources of conviction that God can use to expose our sins. Some of those ways is wise counsel. Our conscience, the Holy Spirit, and God's Word. So let's break down how God can use your own conscience to convict you. And let's begin by looking in the Word. Daniel, can you read the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12, verses 1-14? through I know it's long, but it's extremely important that we go to this text for reference, please.
0: The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little eel lamb he had brought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. He shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. But the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler, who had come to him. Instead, he took the ill lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that land four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judea. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring you calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. And he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. Now, there's so much more here in this story that
1: we can break down, but we're not going to do that today. Just recognize what happened here. Right? David's conscience here and what God did to have him think about his action. All God did was send Nathan.
2: That, my friend, is counsel. Okay? That's what counsel looks like. That's wise counsel. Now. The next source that God
1: uses to convict us is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke to David's heart and spurred him on to repentance, agreement over his sins and subsequent submission to God's will. Then can you read Psalms chapter 51 verse 3
0: through 4 please? For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil
2: in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justify when you judge. You know, when we think about in today's time, what we have that they
1: didn't have is the complete word. You know, they had the Old Testament, but we have the added benefits of the Bible a source of of conviction, and that changed the game. So let's look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, and it says,
2: For the
0: word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So when we think about the value of wise counsel, we look no further
1: than the book of Proverbs, chapter 15,
2: verse 22. And that says what, Daniel? Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Then it also says... In
1: the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 14. What does it say?
0: When there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety.
1: Yes, so as you can see, these are several examples in the ways in which God can convict us. Okay? He finds these ways to show us How we need correction. And, you know, some of these things
2: have to happen, right? Because if they don't happen, how can we correct them? So, again,
1: there's wise counsel, our conscience, the Holy Spirit, and God's word. So, I think I mentioned earlier the first thing was a form of wise counsel because Nathan came in. And spoke to him and gave him an example, and we saw how outrageous David was. But then, when he found out that it was him, it changed his mind. It also pointed to the fact that it was through his conscience that he was able to understand what he had done. We also see how the Holy Spirit can convict us. We could see also God's word. And the power that God's word has over us, right? And that's a lot of how God does his talking now, right? At least for me, when I read God's word, I'm able to understand that through his word, we're looking at public revelation. And through public revelation, we're learning about some of the mistakes that these individuals make in the scripture. And when we learn about some of the mistakes that these individuals make in the scripture, we realize that there's some adjustments and there's some change that needs to happen. All right. Now, understand this, please. Right. Guilt does not come from the Lord. Let me repeat that. Guilt does not come from the Lord. Guilt comes from our own flesh or from Satan himself. Because guilt can only be a crippling effect. The devil will like to have us all operating under a spirit of guilt rather than conviction. Guilt cannot and does not lead to change. Guilt cannot and does not lead to change. Satan uses guilt to keep us right where we are, broken. On the other hand, sometimes our own flesh can cause us to feel guilty when we are completely forced to think about ourselves, right? We begin to only focus on ourselves. We can become so exorbit. Or absorbed. With our own experiences of our sin. That we are unable to let go of it. Right? We don't let go of our own sins. At the core of that is where pride resides. When we only look inward instead of upward. which is where God is in heaven. Right? our forgiving father we have no option but to experience the suffocation of our own guilt all right something simple to remember so let's look at the main text today as we continue in the gospel of luke so we're going to look at luke chapter 6 verse 37 to 38 but before we go any further is there any questions or things that you have there in regards to the difference between guilty? And being convicted and why Us as believers Is an important thing to Be convicted and not
0: guilty Something I found interesting In the verse that you just mentioned though Was uh How pride is the source of guilt And I kind of remember Something that Iroh said From Avatar The Last Airbender Was like Um Pride is Anger is not the, what did he say? Anger wasn't the source of pride, but it was actually shame that is the source of pride. So just seeing it also being put in the Bible is like, huh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, you
1: know, like you said last week, it's about the unpacking of the word Mm -hmm. so that it can be used in a practical sense. And we don't realize that when we look inwardly we have to understand that a lot of our problems, and really, I believe in the book of James, he says that God doesn't tempt you. but what ends up tempting you is your own evil enticement within, right? Another important thing is David said in the book of Psalms, I hide that word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. This is the, important, the importance of having read, read scripture. Reading your Bible. Because when you don't read your Bible, it's hard to apply what God has put forward to you so that you can use it to operate better in His perfect will, right? That's what the word is for, it's to help shape and form you, right? So we look at Romans and it says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every time you read the scripture, you're constantly renewing your mind. You're renewing your mind with the things you need, right? Or when we look in the book of Philippians and it says, think about such things that are true, noble, right, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. That all has to do with the way that you think, the way that you go about your business, the way that you see things. You have to have a better perspective of what's going on. Right. Because if you don't have a better perspective about what's going on, then you sort you sort of have this misunderstanding about so much different things. You have to clear out the clutter that's in your mind that is not full of positivity in God's word It has to be rooted in God's word. That's how you transform yourself. And it's something that takes time. Right. Doesn't happen overnight. That's why reading your Bible has to be a practice. It's a necessity. Alright. So let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 37 through 38. And this will be the basis of where we start our conversation. We need to get those definitions out of the way because through those definitions, that's how we get understanding. Okay? So Daniel, take it away.
0: Do not judge. And you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you
1: now often people say don't judge me but what i don't understand is why don't people have a clear understanding of this? right let's take a closer look at the process of making friends right so i'm gonna go on explaining at least my view of the process of making friends right being wise and careful is a necessity when making friends you would agree with that right daniel
0: I wouldn't
1: know. You wouldn't know.
0: I'm not very good at making friends. Really?
1: (laughs) I'm learning. Okay. Interesting. We might have to tackle that. In the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character, which means that friends can have a large impact on our lives. We need to be sure that close friends are also good friends. Friends who are good for us want what's best for us. They tell you the truth and they don't have mixed words in regards to what the truth is. Right. So sometimes they say, you know. I can tell who you are based upon the people that you are surrounded with. Right. Sometimes if you have people in your corner that do nothing but agree with you. That's not a good source of friendship, unless we are all agreeing on the positive elements of how we go about life, right? But sometimes it's it's good to have controversial friends, right? So this is what I mean also, right? You can have people in your circle, and they can live life however they want, right? As long as their lifestyle doesn't affect your mentality, you could be cool with each other for the reasons... Strictly not in relation to how you go about your life, but maybe the longevity of the relationship, right? Somebody that you met that came in and helped you out in a particular period of time. I think those are good friends to have. And I think over time, if you are flourishing, right, a person can see the flourishing and want to learn how they can be better, how they can do better. And sometimes being around success, it becomes addicting, right? And you want to learn how you can also be successful, right? To know a friend is good is to know the basis of the kind of person they are and what you are becoming with you being around them. A good friend helps you live the standards you want to keep. Good friends help you remain joyful, not happy. It was a few episodes back I talked about the difference between joy and happiness. Joy is something that happens within, right? That's why those that get saved, there's an overwhelming joy that comes within. Happiness is temporary, something that you experience and express through the outward portion of you, but it doesn't remain there. OK. Now, another important thing that happens. Is good friends are those that are consistent. In regards to being there for you, do health issues. But also at the same time, through moments of weakness and sorrow. Okay? And I think that's important because a person that can empathize with you understands the history of what's going on. And therefore, they know your pain. And they know how to encourage you, motivate you, inspire you. Right? Because something about your pain or your sorrow or your issues is extremely relatable to them. So my point is, how do you choose good friends without judging all that? You have to judge all that through time, through situations, through predicaments, right? Because without the experience or the predicament that arrives, the challenge, you can't see how it blossoms into a level of importance for you to make a change, right? Because choosing is a process. Making a judgment is a process. It calls to take time. It must be done carefully. You have to take time in what you see and assessing the situation and finding the solution to it, right? In the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Interesting, right? So, you know, you've heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. We don't judge based upon limited information, right? That's assumption. And assumption is the lowest level of knowledge. We judge based upon carefully evaluating predicaments, issues, and situations that a person goes through to ultimately make the decision that they can be an addition to your life. Or someone that you can't have in your life, right? So these are things that take time. Doesn't happen overnight, right? Now, interesting enough, we're going to explain a little bit more. But let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 41 through 42. Daniel.
0: Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take that speck out of your eye When you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye You hypocrite First Take the plank out of your own eye And then you will see clearly To remove the speck from your brother's eye (laughs) What do you think of that example? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think of that example? I think my life says everything Honestly, it's a uh... you hypocrite. I think I that's <laughs> that's and
1: you know what's crazy that happens so often, right? People want to help other people out so much. They, they look, you know, they look to see the issues that's going on in other people's eyes, and they're quick to tell that person, You need to do this, you need to change that. Ah, this is a little bit skeptical. And they're not doing the same thing. That's why they say practice what you preach, right? And the hardest reality is where you encounter people that don't do that. And then you start to say the audacity for you to make suggestions to me, right? And you're not even cleaning up your own space. You're not cleaning up your own situation, right? And the thing about me is, I think wisdom comes in various ways, you know? And the reason why I say that is because I think you can learn from anybody, right? And I think that the reason why you can learn from anybody is because there's always, if you look carefully, a way that something that occurs before you can be corrected, right? And they don't have to have the perfect, you know, mentality, the perfect approach. However, just seeing what's happening, you can make that adjustment for yourself. So. Here's something that we have to remember. Righteous judgment is required here. Again, righteous judgment is required. Remember this, right? We have no need to judge most of the people that we meet. When we must judge, it comes at the protection and safety of yourself. That's when you start judging certain situations and predicaments. Because it has to do in relation to how it affects you. So I want to be clear about something else as well. We should not write people off with negative labels, such as no good, worthless, wicked, or that's a good one, immoral, or dishonest. There is goodness in everyone, and to see only the bad is both unjust and foolish. That is unrighteous judgment. Although you shouldn't condemn people for the decisions they have made, In their past, it becomes much more clear from your side of things to realize that you don't have to place yourself at risk by going along with their bad decisions either, right? You are not required to be blind or stupid, right? You're not, okay? On the other hand, there are no perfect individuals that exist other than Jesus, right? He existed, and he's still there, okay? So, you should not make perfection a requirement for the friendships that you have. What you should look forward to and what you should be looking for are friends who share your basic values and are working hard to overcome their weaknesses as you should as well. That's what we all should be doing. Striving to be better than we were yesterday, the day before, and the day after, right? Striving to be a better person. Remember, this is all something that we all have to pay close attention to right we all have to remember these things so i'm not just saying it's based upon how i
2: think i think this is something that we all have to keep in mind right another thing what happens when you do these judgments is that you miss out
1: On wonderful friendships if you judge people based on
2: superficial distinctions, right? Such as race, social class, wealth, popularity, or even physical attraction. There's
1: much more to a person than just those things. Don't look at the surface thing and think that that has to be the deciding factor of how you evaluate somebody and how they can mean something in your life. like That's absolutely something you don't want to do. And that's absolutely something you have to pay close attention to. Right. We have to look at things that are positive, look at things that can encourage us. Now, let's address forgiveness. This is a big topic. It's a big portion to discuss because a lot of us have several different views on forgiveness and the scripture says a lot about forgiveness, right there's a lot about forgiveness. okay so now forgiveness is a tough thing to address there are so many ways you can address this topic here's a simple way in which that i look at it right jesus said in matthew chapter 5 verse 9 blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of god paul says in romans 12:18 if it is possible As far as it depends on you, live at peace. With one another. Key point there, live at peace. With one another previous statement that I made. Right. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, Jesus also says that if you are offering your gift at the altar and there's. And there's a and you remember that your brother or sister there's something that happened against you and them. Leave your gift there in front of the altar first and go and reconcile with them. Then come back and offer your gift. Jesus says settle matters quickly with your adversary. Again, these are all things that are geared towards keeping the peace. Right. Settling matters. Right. This is where forgiveness falls in line. Why do I say that? I know that most people believe that forgiveness has more to do with settling yourself free. and It's really for you at the end of the day, not for the other person. But I would encourage you to remember that Jesus sets you free from sin. He told you that his burden is easy and his joke is light to give him your concerns and issues and to castle your anxieties on him because he cares for you, all of us in fact. So as a believer, it's about rewarding someone with the grace and mercy that God has given you. A lot of what we talked about earlier, right? We all need grace and mercy. And to rob someone of that is to forget how much our Heavenly Father has forgiven us daily, right? We are instructed to repent daily, to turn
2: away, in other words, to do things that requires us to have self-reflection, right?
1: And I think sometimes we don't remember when sin increases, so does grace increase a little more. That's the reason why in the book of James chapter four, verse six, it says he gives us more grace that is why scripture says god opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble and oppressed right when peter came to jesus and asked lord how many times shall i forgive my brother or sister who sinned against me jesus answers i tell you not seven times but 77 times forgiveness is about keeping the peace it's about loving a person in spite of Whatever circumstances or situation that some people believe ails them, right? It shouldn't matter to you, right? So one of the scriptures that I love so much is the definition of love in First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8. And I use this verse so often because it addresses multiple things here. And I'm gonna tell you what addresses here. But then could you, you know, read that please?
0: love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others it is not self-seeking it is not easily angered it keeps no records of wrong love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects Always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails.
1: So the most important point in this description of love that has to be addressed and is in relation with forgiveness is you can't say you love someone, but you haven't forgave that person enough to put those records of wrongs behind them, at least within the relationship between you and that person. People countless times have instead held it over people's head all day long, every day. The reality is that it's not true forgiveness. It's actually bitterness. It's unresentment on issues that haven't been resolved. Don't say things like you don't mean. Don't say things that you don't mean. Things take time. And with your time, you either are going to forgive or not. The important thing about forgiveness is that you don't have to
2: rush it. You do it when you're ready and when you actually mean it, okay? You do it when you're ready and when you actually mean it. So in conclusion, when it comes to judging as believers,
1: remember, we must show discernment immediately right this is something that i wanted to say about what jesus did right he first says do not judge he says do not give dogs what is scarce do not throw your pearls to pigs. jesus also says watch out for false prophets by their fruit you will recognize them the point is how we discern who are the dogs and the pigs and the false prophets unless we have The ability to make a judgment call on the doctrines and deeds. Jesus has given us permission to tell right from wrong. And we must use the godly wisdom that we have in order to judge righteously. This is the way that we should go about things. When it comes to forgiveness, it's about appointing the same amount of grace and mercy God has given to us all. And we need to make sure we do it to one another. Keep no records of wrongs in the end. And our job is not to make a person feel bad because there's always skeletons in all our closets. There's always improvement and change that needs to occur for all of us. All right. So remember this verse as well. It kind of sums up what Christ did for us. And it's in the book of, it's the book of Ephesians
0: chapter 2
1: verse 8 through 10 and it says
0: for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works when God prepared in advance for us to do All right, so I hope that we got something out of this. I hope that
1: I've given you some things to reconsider, Daniel, in your own personal time
2: about judging and forgiveness. Now we head to devotional time, and I believe that's you, Daniel, right?
1: It
0: will be me. The heart has long been the metaphor for the deepest parts of a person's emotions and thoughts. In addition to the Hebrews, the ancient Greeks credit the heart as being the seat of a person's thoughts and therefore their actions. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Today, you can extend the metaphor with that with what is known from science. The heart is essentially a pump for blood. And the blood is a vehicle for oxygen to be taken to every point of the body. Without this pumping of oxygen, the body dies. The body therefore declares, The blood is the life of all flesh. That is straight out of Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 23. But more importantly, the point of a pump isn't to receive something, but To push it along. The heart wouldn't be functioning according to its design if it kept freshly oxidated blood to itself. In the same way, if you receive forgiveness from the Lord without pushing it along, then your spiritual heart isn't functioning according to its design. A healthy Christian heart bears with the shortcomings and offenses of others. It's important to be tolerant sometimes when you are dealing with people and with one another. It's more important to be forgiven of those who do harm to you and those who may say things and do things out of context. Be tolerant, but never let somebody walk all over you. It's okay to judge when you are judging righteously with that i will say a little prayer for us lord help me to be tender-hearted and forgiven as you are you have forgiven me for so much may i forgive others freely
2: as well in jesus name we say amen amen